Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Welcome everyone to another episode of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek and we today will be talking about some of the big early season surprises and disappointments from the 2017-18 regular season. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter, at FanRag Sports, and for their NBA content, at FanRag NBA. Joining me today, as always, are my two co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? Well, Brian, considering we are getting Marvel movies a week before you guys, <laughs> I'm kind of enjoying myself. Pretty good, yeah. So, Mort, do you, before we get underway, do you want to give us a quick... Uh, rundown of Thor Ragnarok. For whatever reason, the Danes get it a week. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Ahead of us U.S. people. That's because we don't have Trump. <laughs> we get rewarded. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> well, um, so if you like... A movie that's all about undermining emotional connection for cheap laughs. Thor Ragnarok is just up your alley. <laughs> I was really disappointed. But then again, I'm not... I, I, I always seek like deeper meanings in movies. I always like, you know, when something hangs together emotionally. And for this one, it just doesn't. Mm. It tries so hard to be Deadpool, but within like a PG-13 narrative. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I was disappointed, but you know, that's just me. I was reading all kinds of reviews who saw, you know, for people who saw the early screenings in the U S and most loved it. Mm. And, and that is slightly disappointing to me because it proves that if you just put a lot of slapstick humor in a movie, people will love it, which to me just doesn't scream quality at all. Well, um, let the record yeah. reflect, by the way, that Morton is a big DC Comics fanboy. Oh, no, no. Okay, <laughs> let me just clarify this. We were four people. We were yeah. four people watching the movie. My wife, who is a huge Marvel fan, 
Like she's loved everything they've ever done. Looked at me after the uh, the final um, post credit scene. There are two, by the way, so stick okay. around. There is a mid credit scene and post credit scene. Good to know. She just like a robot. She just turned her head and looked at me, and she said, "This is probably the worst piece of crap I've ever seen." <laughs> like, Jeez. what did they do to Thor? Like, why? Like everything that could have been awesome, they just stole away with a laugh i feel spoken down to mm. my younger brother and his girlfriend was there too my 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 brother studies film like that's what he does like um like he when he has an exam like he goes up to talk about like movies and from france from like the 1930s or whatever like he's a connoisseur and he was also like man that plot just got under mine mm. and i started like trying to eavesdrop on people walking out of the theater because i was kind of you know curious as to what people thought and some were positive, and some were like, there were, there were two guys. One of them said, God, I need a drink after this one. <laughs> they had to head out to get a beer or something. Like, they were not they were not satisfied at all. So uh, I, I'm very surprised that the American critics have been so positive uh, for for the initial release. We'll see. Uh, obviously, you know, it's it's movies are always very, very subjective, which I love. Like... I love the fact that I can also watch Batman v Superman and enjoy it. I know that you didn't, and that's fair. I mean, no, but I mean, that's that's the way we're built. Right. I mean, I like emotional connections. Some like, you know, uh, over-the-top humor, which I get. I mean, I love Deadpool, for example. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. So, but yeah, I mean, go watch it anyway. Support superhero movies, because superhero movies are still, at the end of the day, awesome. And they should live on forever. So, buy tickets. <laughs> Right. They disregard everything Moore just said for the last three minutes. It was actually a great movie and totally worth your $18 or however much movies cost. Oh, days. you know what? No, okay. I'll take that back if it's 18 bucks. <laughs> Jesus. 18 bucks? I am... Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll... No. Don't don't spend 18 bucks. Uh, that's... That's ridiculous. I thought you were paying like eight or nine bucks for a movie th- ticket. Yeah. Back in like 1993, maybe. Oh damn! Yeah, okay. Yeah, Americans got shafted in the last twenty years. All on right. movie tickets. Yeah. No, then I'm definitely backtracking. Don't. That's <laughs> that's too much because, yeah. Unless you like a lot of empty humor, then you know, fine. If you're the type of person who likes sitcoms with a laugh track, you'll enjoy this one. Or you could just stay at home and watch Big Bang Theory on TV. Either. Way. <laughs> oh God. That's. On that note, Sarah, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm well, thank you. Uh, there's a cold front rolling in. I can hear the wind blowing, so I'm excited, but also a little scared because I don't do well in this cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. I boo freaking poo <laughs> from Scandinavia. Yeah. Well, I moved from Chicago to Nashville thinking I wasn't going to be freezing, and then I woke up yesterday and it was 40 degrees here. So, like you, Sarah, I am also very <laughs> pissed off right now, and I miss. <laughs> Today it was 70, so that was pretty cool. But there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It's not going to be negative 20. That's all I care about. Yeah, well, you have a pass because you used to live in Chicago. Yeah. So that's okay. But Sarah, never again I about the weather. I okay? I can't survive in this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, let's go and talk about some of the latest developments. We recorded on Tuesday, so... We need to at least address this. We talked about it on Tuesday. Mark Elfold's a shooting stroke. At the time, there was no information, no concrete information that had come out. Uh, you know, he had alluded to having 
a nagging shoulder injury. Uh, then about like an hour after we finished recording, because this is always how the NBA works, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN spoke to Fultz's agent, Raymond Brothers, who initially said he had fluid drained from his shoulder. Uh, he said his shoulder's in so much pain that he can't like raise it above his head. He just, so he like literally cannot shoot a basketball right now. Um, he later amended that to say he actually had a cortisone shot injected into his shoulder, so fluid injected in, not drained out, which is much better medically speaking. Uh, when I told my wife that he had fluid drained out, she her eyes bugged out of her head because apparently that's a very bad sign. So cortisone shot is normal, not a huge deal. The Sixers are sitting him. They sat him Wednesday. He's out the next two games as well. Uh, he'll be evaluate, reevaluated on Halloween. The thing we need to discuss more is the handling of all of this because Brian Colangelo, the team president, came out Wednesday, finally addressed it, um, basically contradicted much, if not all, of what Fultz's camp was saying, uh, suggested that Fultz... Fultz's agent and Fultz's trainer all said, you know, he started adjusting his shot because of his shoulder injury and, like, he was just trying to find a way around, like, being able to play still and, like, even though it really hurt him to shoot a basketball. Colangelo suggested perhaps that the injury was related to him changing his mechanics. So he was trying to overhaul his shooting stroke in August maybe that contributed to the soreness led to whatever injury he has. Uh, <laughs> then again, Fultz's trainer came out and said that's total BS. Basically yeah. it was just a big pissing match all week between the Fultz camp and the Sixers and no one came out looking good. Who do you think screwed up more here? Are, are all parties to blame? Well, just to clarify for a second, Sam Hinkie was forced out because he wasn't um, <laughs> transparent with the media, right? I believe so, yes. Oh. Huh. I know, it's strange. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Look at that. That's that's fun. Yeah, I'm on I'm on Team Fultz here. I can't imagine that changing your shooting stroke will make your shoulder be, you know, just mess it up to the degree that you can't raise it over your head. All right. That's ridiculous. I've never heard of that at all. Um, and supposedly no one has, because when it hit Twitter, I did see people were like, yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, that seems to be throwing your number one overall pick under the bus mm -hmm. right at the beginning of the season, which is just so bad for so many reasons. Uh I really don't know what else to say. This is just a poor look on the Sixers. Uh, I, I get what you're saying, that no one came out looking good. But I, I think the Sixers organization came out looking you know, worse than everyone. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it. you know, I, I Sarah, I asked you this question last time. Like, it was very obvious he was dealing with some kind of injury and was very reluctant to shoot. Like, he hasn't taken a three-point attempt yet, and I asked you, why aren't they sitting him? Like, what's the point in having him play? And you didn't know the answer. There was, you know, there's <laughs> that Dan Feldman piece where they were saying, like, yeah, he was focusing on everything else, like defense, getting new sets and pick and rolls, all that good stuff. And, like, we did see flashes of that, but he he's just not... 
you know, he's not helping the team if he's playing and he can't take a shot. Like, it's just not opponents realize that very quickly and they didn't have to necessarily guard him at the three-point arc because they knew he wasn't really a threat to go ahead and fire like he was passing up wide open jumpers so i'm assuming you think it's the right move for the sixers to rest him now do you have any thoughts about this whole debacle i I know coming from the spurs side of things like you know Kawhi leonard's got a quad injury they are wisely sitting him until he's healthy Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, when you finished summing it up, you said you know both sides came out looking pretty bad. No one ended up looking good out of this whole thing, and you can really leave it at that. I mean, <laughs> it was it was handled pretty poorly. It's like um, it reminds me of Game of Thrones. <laughs> I don't know, it was either either late first season or early second season when Joffrey goes biblical and starts killing all of uh, his his quote-unquote father's other bastard children Mm. um and they come in and kill one of the ones that's hiding out in the brothel and little finger the whoremonger wow we're we're really getting into it on this one but okay um (laughs) and hinky is ned stark right what's up hinky is ned stark right there you go yeah (laughs) yeah perfect we need to write this whole thing out um Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the, one of the girls in his brothel's crying because of the baby that was killed in front of her, and he says, "Yeah, that was handled poorly." <laughs> that's, that's really what I keep thinking of. It keeps ringing in my head. Uh, it wasn't handled well by anyone. Uh, last time we spoke, yeah, I said, "Please just sit him. There's no reason for this." Thankfully, they finally got to that point, so that's good. You know, if it's playoffs or something, fine, but. You're at the beginning of this kid's career. He doesn't need to be out there not having his full repertoire of, of skill available to him. He doesn't need to be out there in pain. Um, you know, he's going to lose confidence. N- none of that needs to happen at the beginning of a guy's career. So just let him get healthy so he can come out there and, and start on the right note. Yeah, totally. And, and it sounds like, I'm assuming whatever, they still haven't said what the injury is. It sounds, you know... I asked Alex about this. It sounds probably rotator cuff related, but I'm assuming the medical staff, they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt given how they've <laughs> handled things in the past few years, but I'm assuming they would not put him out if he's at risk of really exacerbating the injury. Right. So I'm assuming like Fultz said, you know, I want to play. I don't want to like start my career missing games, especially what the Sixers have been through the last few years. But I, like it's just better for all parties if he's healthy. It just doesn't make sense to trot him out at sixty percent. Like, it it it's so goddamn frustrating. So, hopefully he's gonna get better, and uh, we'll we'll have an update next week. But in the meantime, Ben Simmons is still awesome. Let's go. We also talked about Lonzo Ball last time and how. <laughs> how his father's comments have been putting a target on his back. We specifically referenced the matchup Wednesday against the Washington Wizards since Marcin Gortat said he would, John Wall was going to torture him for 48 minutes. In retrospect, Sarah, John Wall did not torture Lonzo for 48 minutes. The Lakers actually escaped with a 102-99 overtime victory. Lonzo did not score all that well. I think he was like six points, two of 11 shooting, something like that. Uh, But they got the W, which is all that matters. So 
I want to ask this. When I was watching the game, it seemed like Wall really did take this matchup personally and was playing more out of control or more like a hero ball than he usually does. And like when he's in control and when he's passing to teammates, he was having his way. But then he like really seemed like he just wanted to end Lonzo's life. So do you think this is this whole, you know, Lonzo Voldemort thing, is it actually gonna have the reverse effect where it like gets into opponents' heads that they want to destroy this guy so badly that they don't focus on the team game like they usually will? I guess there's the potential for that. I would hope not because we're talking about a lot of people who are professionals who have been in the game for a while have experience you would hope that they wouldn't get so caught up in the personal matchups even though we know these guys have a lot of pride and have ego and and are competitive Mm -hmm. but it does happen uh from time to time i just i I don't want to put a lot of it on john wall i think the wizards all game just you could feel it they let the lakers hang around and that's always dangerous with these young teams you know, they just never put him away. And and the game comes around, and, and Kuzma has no conscience, so he doesn't care. He's going <laughs> to shoot. You know, Brandon Ingram actually had a, a few nice drives, one that almost looked completely out of control right at the end of the fourth quarter, but, hey, he got the tap in. So, yeah, you just – I don't know. It, it's kind of funny if that's what's happening, kind of playing off of the uh, testosterone in the, in the league. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but – I don't know. Hopefully that doesn't become a thing. Yeah, knock on wood, because, I I mean, the Wizards, they really gave that game away. They should have blown them out pretty considerably, but Mm. Wall just did not have his best stuff that night. So it's just something worth monitoring moving forward, especially if, you know, Voldemort hypes up a particular matchup, which I'm sure he's going to now, because his prediction that the Lakers weren't going to lose another game this week has so far come true. Uh, well, there's an easy solution. What's that? Honestly, it, it's that when when NBA players target Lonzo, they should only target him defensively, mm. and then just run their game like they used to do offensively. Like if John had just asserted himself as he did defensively, mm-hmm. and you know, cut the way that he used to, and be the normal playmaker that he used to, then that's a beating right there, and a significant one at that. Yeah. So. It's all about the mindset going in. Don't try to dominating, dominate Lonzo Ball on both ends. Mm-hmm. Look, he's already a horrid defender, so if you start to overthink it, right. that's when you mess up. So just play your game and then step it up defensively. Yeah. You know, problem solved. Right. And I mean, it's worth noting, too, that for much of the night, Contavious Caldwell-Pope was guarding Wall. So right. it's like... he. Especially there were a couple drives in transition where, you know, where uh, where Ball did get matched up on Wall and like Wall could have passed to an open guy, but it seemed like he really wanted to like dunk on Lonzo's head. So (laughs) it makes me wonder, but we'll we'll see. You know, Patrick Beverly, I feel like got that first taste of dominating him, and maybe everyone else wants a piece now too, but. Uh, it's it's something worth keeping an eye on as we move forward here. The other, well, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. Just just one note here because after the game, Lavar started talking about you know stats don't matter, wins matter, which I agree with on the surface. 
but you know Lonzo, Lonzo has a true shooting percentage of thirty seven, mm-hmm. like for the season. So <laughs> I mean, my point is that's not going to be sustainable. They're not going to be a five hundred ball club if your leading minute man is has a true shooting percentage of thirty seven. Like that has to be an outlier. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be the norm. So I mean, it'll level off. It's it, teams always have these weird records early on in the season. Yeah, and it comes back so it averages out just like jump shooting so I, I i think you still need to target ball a lot if because he has the ball in his hands for so long so much so long stretches and he like he's the clear-cut minute leader on the team so the more he's out there and the more you can make him a non-factor on both ends of the court the better mm-hmm. so i mean you still have to target him obviously you just have to do it with logic yeah that makes instead sense. of raw emotion right that makes total sense uh, the other big story from the last couple of days, Boogie made his return to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, he Without Anthony Davis, so if you play daily fantasy basketball and you did not have Boogie in your lineup last night, congratulations on just giving away money. Um, he ended the night 41 points, 23 rebounds, 6 assists, Three threes, one steal, one block in 44 minutes. And two middle fingers. Two gigantic middle fingers. Uh, Sarah, what did you think of, I mean, Boogie and then the Pelicans as a whole? Because they were, they were down, I think, by 15-plus pretty early in the game. And for them to come back without Davis, what do you think that says about them for the, you know, moving forward? You know, what's funny is, <clears throat> excuse me, I expected the Kings to win that game. I mean, before the game started, before, mm-hmm. yeah, they went up by a bunch um, because I just didn't have any faith. And I figured Boogie would go off, but I didn't think anyone else would really help. Um, and all throughout the game on uh, TNT, they kept showing the audio assist or whatever they call it. And Gentry kept saying, hey, we're going to come through this. This is a test. Just hang in there. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, there's no way. But... <laughs> You know, to their credit, they did hang in there, and uh, not only was Cousins incredible, but Jameer Nelson just started popping threes mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole time they were down, and, you know, before you know it, end of the game happens, and they are right there. So, I, it's it's a good sign for them. I don't think that it really means that much in terms of their future success for the year, because unfortunately, they still just don't have a lot to work with, mm-hmm. but, you know, maybe... <laughs> you know, they get some guys back healthy. I know we're not uh, super optimistic about what Rondo's going to do, but, you know, maybe they can scrape together a few wins, but I don't think it's going to make a huge difference. Yeah. I, I Unless Boogie is able to continue churning out 40, 25 games on a regular basis, which I don't think he will do. Uh, I, it, the style of play they won with last night will not be sustainable. That said, more Jameer Nelson, I mean, mm-hmm. 18 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds, 4 threes in 36 minutes. He just joined the team last week, and he's already, you know, with Davis on the shelf. Is he the third best player on the Pelicans? Like, I, did his addition make you higher on the Pelicans moving forward? Initially, it didn't, because I thought his age would show eventually. Mm-hmm. But so far, so good. Is he the new Jamal Crawford? Like a guy who's gonna play until he just can't play anymore. 
Like, he just, just doesn't buckets. care. His yeah. only role is to get buckets. Well, we, we talked about they needed a ball handler and someone who could initiate the offense and hit open shots yeah. and play. I'm going to use, I'm going to borrow a word I used earlier, logical basketball. Mm. Jameer Nelson is a guy who plays logically and calculated. So that sort of setting is probably one that is very much needed because when Rondo returns, it's going to be more erratic. It's going to be a lot of these weird looks where he has like eight feet of space and is not launching a three-pointer. Mm-hmm. So Jameer is the type of guy who takes what the defense gives and makes the most out of it. Like if it's a driving lane, he'll go in there and if the double team comes, he'll shove it on. So there are so many ways that he can kill you. It just has to be in the right dose. You don't want to overwork Jameer, especially at that age either. So if he is your third best player, you sure as hell don't act like it. Then right. you make sure that he is like the fourth or fifth component. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hopefully, I mean, once Davis comes back, he's obviously no longer the third best player. Like they still have right. Boogie, Davis, Holiday, Rondo should be back uh, within the next couple. Hopefully weeks. next season. Next. <laughs> In theory, within the next couple weeks. I mean, they just need NBA players at this point. Like, I know you're low on Rondo, but, you know, having a backcourt rotation of Rondo, Holiday, Jameer Nelson, that's better than what they were dealing with before. Right, but I'm low because they need shooting. Yeah, right. But Nelson... That's the problem. Nelson is at least in a very small sample suggesting that he can provide that. Yep. Like So when, when Davis is back and everyone is healthy, do you start... Nelson and then slide Drew to the two. Well, that was their plan with Rondo, anyway. Yeah, like they always right, they've so always they... planned on playing Drew at the two. All right, so so the plan was for him to stay at the two and then have Ron. Okay, so I would just make the substitution of make putting Jameer in there. I think mm-hmm. the offensive symmetry would be so much better. And frankly, you're not losing much defensively. Rondo has become a train wreck on the other end of the court. He is not the defender that he used to be at all. It, so I wouldn't worry about it. It makes me wonder if we're going to see some like truly wacky lineups where it's like Boogie Davis, big front court, and then three-guard backcourt of Rondo, Drew, and Jameer Nelson. Like, why not? Yeah. Honestly. Right, your wings suck so much, you might as well... Yeah. Might as well try it out, at least. Hell, the Bulls use Quincy Pondexter as their backup power forward these days. <laughs> I mean, I'm, no, I'm, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's crazy, but yeah, the league has gone so small, and all this positionless basketball. I mean, right. why not? Yeah, why not? And the size that they give up, like Demarcus and AD, right? They more than make up for it. Exactly. So, I wouldn't mind that at all. Yeah, it's it's something worth monitoring moving forward. Um, last quick note before we get into our surprises. Tony Parker seems to be nearing a return, Sarah. He's going to the G League uh, for a rehab stint. We talked last time about you know DeJounte Murray's playing really well to start the season. Uh, any thoughts on you know what has your opinion changed at all about what they're going to do when Tony comes back, or are you still just wait and see at this point? totally totally baited me into that that we're just gonna be talking about oh tony looks like he's ready to come back soon yeah and then you had to turn it on me um 
My opinion has not changed. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do. It's been three days, Brian. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I don't Maybe. know. I don't know what they're going to do. But, yeah. you know, like I said, good problems to have. So Yeah. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that, too. So let's go into our early season surprises and disappointments now. Worth noting, I mean, it should go without saying, but just in case you are going to come into our mentions and yell at us for something about a five-game sample size, still a really small sample size, we know. We, <laughs> like, we're aware as well, but you have to you know, work with what we have, what we've been given. So, you know, we have a week and a half worth of data. Uh, we're going to talk about whether some of these things we expect them to last throughout the season or if we just think they're you know the small sample size anomaly that they might appear to be uh i actually have a big problem with your setup ryan because a disappointment can be a surprise as well yeah so calling it surprises and disappointments that just doesn't function i should (laughs) we could just call it surprises both positive and negative if you'd rather go that route. But, I mean, some... Yes, let's go technical and unfun. Yeah. That's how we <laughs> so, roll anyway. Some of the disappointments, I would argue... Uh, well, I guess, yeah, most of them are actually surprising disappointments. So, however you want to think of it. But, more, I, I figured you want to just lead this off by boasting about the Brooklyn Nets? No. No, I think I've done that plenty. Okay. They're three and two. They just beat the Cavs. Yeah. And it looks like that you're going to be eating your words. That's more or less what I have to say. I mean, we talked about it last time. They have a very easy stretch coming up. They play the Knicks Friday. They've got two games against the Suns uh, within the next two weeks. But the Suns actually... Yeah, then it gets hard after that. Yeah, the Suns actually remembered how to play basketball since firing Earl Watson. So those games aren't necessarily as easy Mm. as they looked. Uh, they also get the Lakers. They've got two against the Nuggets who are in complete disrepair, as we'll talk about shortly. But then, yeah, after that, it's like at Portland, at Utah, versus <laughs> yeah. Boston, versus Utah, versus yeah. Golden State, at Cleveland, versus Portland, at Memphis, at Houston. That is a murderer's row. So It is. Even if the Nets think- get off to like 6-4, and 7-3, and three, I think by the end of November we'll see just how seriously it takes them. Yeah, but thank goodness, though, they still play in the East because even yeah. if they get slaughtered... <laughs> yeah. By those guys, they can still beat up on the lesser teams. That's so, yeah. yeah, like I, uh, you know, you had them. You 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 made the claim that twenty five. That's like a positive surprise. Yeah. Once Jeremy right? Lin went down. Yes. Yeah. Once once Jeremy went down, it was twenty five. I'm sticking it out at thirty five. So, if they win thirty, are we just gonna shake hands and call it a tie? <laughs> yeah. I think that's a gentleman's okay. agreement. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> um, Okay, Uh, I also want to shout out the Orlando Magic. Their only loss actually came against the Brooklyn Nets, I believe. Uh, They are 3-1. They pounded Cleveland. We talked about last time they had a good opening season win against Miami. They snuck by Brooklyn Tuesday night on the back of 41 points from Aaron Gordon. It's, you know, it's just amazing. Like, how many times last year did we say... Like, man, I bet Aaron Gordon would be really good if he plays the four full-time. And look what happens. You put Aaron Gordon mm. at the four full-time, and Nikola Vucevic doesn't have to contend with two other frontcourt players, and all of a sudden those two guys are having career years. Who would have seen it coming? Like, I almost don't want to give the Magic too much credit because, like, they did the thing <laughs> they should have done two years ago. Like, 
I'm happy they did it. Better late than never. But, like, congratulations. You figured out a very easy solution to something you should have realized back in, like, February of 2016 when you first put Aaron Gordon at the four after the All-Star break and he exploded and then you traded for Serge Ibaka, God knows why. And, you know, now you're in this position. But kudos to the Magic. They get Sarah there against your Spurs on Friday. Uh, they're... Upcoming schedule is not all that intimidating. It's at Charlotte, at New Orleans, at Memphis, versus Chicago, versus Boston, versus Knicks, at Phoenix. So, like the Nets, they have a chance to actually go on a pretty good run. You know, start the season somewhere 7-4 and or whatever. Uh, But then, like the Nets, come mid-November, at Denver, at Golden State, at Portland, versus Utah, versus Indiana, at Minnesota, at Boston, at Philly. Uh... (laughs) Like the Nets, we will see how seriously it take them by the end of November. But right now, kudos to them. There's always one team that comes out of nowhere and emerges as a playoff contender. It's looking like the Magic could potentially be that team if Aaron Gordon continues playing at this level. So, Or it could be a four-game sample size. Right, exactly. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, but if nothing else, I'm glad Aaron Gordon's finally having the breakout year that oh, yeah. we expected, and I'm glad he did not sign an extension, that you know, a low ball extension with the Magic. That dude, if he keeps this up all year, that dude is getting bank next summer. Probably a max deal as well. He should. Um, Sarah, who's jumped out to you? Well, the Grizzlies. Um, yeah. For me, I know. I don't think any of us had them in the playoffs, right? Which, nope. Like I said, obviously it's really early, but for me they were probably the biggest question mark, like the toughest one. Every time I came back to them when I was trying to make my uh, preseason rankings, was I just couldn't couldn't really put my finger on them. Uh, it's hard to put a team with Marcus All and Mike Conley out of the playoffs, <laughs> but mm-hmm. they just had so many question marks. Um, you know, Tyreek, we know he's capable of, of doing some good things for him, but we just didn't know what it would look like. Um, and they still have question marks is the crazy thing. I mean, Jamichael Green went down, I think, after one game. Mm-hmm. Uh, McLemore hasn't played yet, I think. So there's there's some potential there for them to look even better in a little while. But um, Mark Saul's been, <laughs> been terrific, which isn't really a surprise. But um, their bench, to me has been a surprise. I think they're fourth right now in plus minus as a bench, wow. which could be huge. <laughs> so, I mean, they've got, I think the rookie, Dylan Brooks, playing really mm-hmm. well. Tyreek has played well. Um, Chalmers, I told y'all before the season, that's the one thing I, I was excited about, is he looked good in Memphis before he got hurt. And I was glad that he was able to come back because he really fits in well there. So, uh, go ahead, Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... When we had Matt Moore on the podcast before the season started, we you know we did that that conference standings predictions, and he talked us all into Memphis a little more than I think. You're right that none of us had them as a playoff team, but he kept being like, "What? Why not? They only lost two like 35 year olds, and they added like as you said, they added some interesting bench pieces. They still have Conley and Gasol. It's a I mean." I wanted, you know, I was saying this to a friend last night who's a Grizzlies fan. Like, they're one Conley or Gasol injury away from just completely falling apart. But aside from like the Warriors, what team is that not true for? 
I, know, yeah, like, I was just going to say, that's true of everybody pretty much. Right. So. Like, if LeBron goes down, the Cavs are a 25-win team. It's like... Well, the Spurs. Yeah, right. I guess... Well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as long as Greg Popovich doesn't go down with a hip injury, yeah. they're going to be okay. I was going to say, if LeMarcus goes down as well and Kawhi's still out, but then Pau Gasol probably turns into a 30-point-per-game score. Cause... You, you know that something will be adjusted yeah. and things will just work out. Yeah. So. Right. The Spurs do not count as an early season surprise. They are 4-0, but of course they are because they're the goddamn Spurs and this is what they do. It doesn't matter who they play or who they trot out there. They just continue to win 60 games every year. God. And Deontay Murray should start for like the rest of his career. (laughs) Well, I guess, Sarah, we should shout out Danny Green. You were telling us about him. Oh, absolutely. I, Absolutely. I, I don't remember if we were recording last time, but like he he's playing lights out right now. Yeah, he is. Um, he looks really, really comfortable putting the ball on the floor, which has not been true pretty much his entire career. People have whined and moaned about it and begged him, <laughs> please learn how to dribble. And I mean, he has he has slowly he has slowly gradually, you know, added a dribble here and there, um, but. The leap over last season to this is pretty impressive. Uh, he no longer is limited to just maybe a one or two dribble pull up. He can get to the rim. He's finishing with left-handed finishes, as it were. Like mm-hmm. it's it's really really fun to watch. Um, so, absolutely, if if he continues this, and really, it's not a thing that should come and go. Like he's still gonna have those kind of awkward, indecisive drives that happens but you know you don't just go from from being uncomfortable to comfortable and back again so he looks good and he he should definitely get like the most improved player award I don't think it doesn't usually go to guys like Danny Mm -hmm. and I don't think it will even if he continues this but he deserves at least a few votes or some kind of recognition because he definitely added something to his game that has been a vulnerability for most of his career and you just don't often see that yeah, right. It's it's going to end up going to a guy like D'Angelo Russell or Gary mm-hmm. Harris or Miles Turner who like just increase their scoring output because they have additional opportunities. But yeah, it's I mean, kind it, of a shame because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not really about improvement. Like Russell has been good, you know. Right. It's just right. like you said, op- different opportunity. Yeah. Well, yeah. The Lakers just condemned him to Lakerland yeah. for the first two years. <laughs> well, I mean, Danny has been a lot better as well though like mm-hmm. let's be fair these last two seasons i i would say that i would argue at least that he was in a slump a two season slump he was a lot better in 14 15 and the years prior he was way more efficient way more dynamic of a shooter and more aggressive offensively mm-hmm. and then he just had two years where he just could not find his stroke he could not get into the rhythm of the offense and now he can and so like we're looking at a 27-year-old Danny Green again, and we're going, oh, haven't seen this guy in a while. So while I get what you're saying, and he have definitely has improved his dribble drives, and that is noteworthy. Uh, I think his production now is very similar to that of, you know, three seasons ago, which probably should eliminate him from contention. But but I but I hear what you're saying that that, that one element, the fact mm-hmm. that he has now learned how to dribble, <laughs> it just changes yeah. everything for this person. Yeah, it's so, more about that aspect because yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because he has always been valuable. So mm-hmm. I want to make sure I make that point known. I'm definitely not saying that he <laughs> hasn't been like you know three and D guys don't grow on trees, right. and you can see, you know, 
just looking at Roberson, who is a guy who I like, but, you know, the fact of when you can only play that one end, how much mm-hmm. it limits the team. But mm-hmm. Danny yeah. has always been a shooter and has always been a terrific defender. He's just added that one more component that I think really they've needed. I mean, we talk about how great LaMarcus has been to start the year, but with Kawhi out, they've needed Danny to score a little more, and he's done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, God bless the Spurs. They can really, like, Joffrey Laverne's turned into an NBA player again. It just doesn't matter. As we we were saying before we started, that they need to pick up K, KJ McDaniels, who Martin and I <laughs> both believe is still an NBA player, even though I think, like, five teams that he's been on do not feel the same way. Uh, Seriously, KJ McDaniels, I was so high on him. I still am to some degree. If he went to the Spurs and he worked with Chip on his jump shot, like, forget about it. Yeah, him and Kawhi together would be be not fun for, say, the Golden State Warriors. But, yeah. uh, Yep. More... Anyone else jumping out to you as a surprise so far? A good surprise, I should say. Blake Griffin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude. 26 a game, shooting 44 from downtown, and on high volume, no less, mm-hmm. six attempts per game. Hit the game winner against, or the buzzer beater even, not just the game winner, the buzzer beater three-pointer against Portland. Yep. I mean, he is looking real good, and you know the Clips are undefeated. Mm-hmm. I was not high on L.A. I was. I think I actually convinced myself that they were not in the playoffs. Mm. Or if they were, it was a very, very low seed. Mm-hmm. But they are looking competent. I mean, they're beating teams with, by almost 20 points a game. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, uh, they're rebounding well. Like, <laughs> okay, DeAndre is averaging 18 boards, yeah, so that makes incredible. sense. And they don't turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. They are the number one team in the league in not turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. Only 13 turns a game. Uh, I mean, I guess because Patrick Beverly's always been a guy who protects the ball well. Yep. And, you know, <laughs> we made fun of Doc Rivers over the summer for saying, you know, like they asked him what was going to change with your with Chris Paul no longer on your team, and he said, ball movement. We're going to move the ball more. Mm-hmm. But, like, without a guy like Chris Paul who's going to – dribble the ball up the court every single time like i i haven't looked at the data but i'm assuming they have been moving the ball more it seems like you know we we all wanted to see a little more point blake like he's doing it i would say Mm. you know the last two seasons both of which he started pretty well it was just like the one season he broke his hand by punching the guy in the face (laughs) and that kind of derailed that campaign so, like, he's had this type of well-rounded ability. I think the big surprise for me is the three-point shooting. Like, he hadn't taken, prior to last season, he had not taken more than 44 three-point attempts in a season. He took 113 last year. He's already at 23 through four games. Like, yeah. he, he took 18 in 2015-2016. He only played 35 games, but he took 18 the entire year he has 10 of 23 right now shooting 43.5 percent sure that that type of shooting percentage is probably unsustainable but the fact he added that to his game it's much like a lot of the other guys like brooke lopez like demarcus cousins like marcus all who have all added that even al horford added that in the last year or two like that turns them from 
like hmm i wonder what the you know these are like traditional big men like what role do they have in the nba today oh shit they could shoot three-pointers oh they're just like all around dominant forces okay cool Mm -hmm. like if this that's the thing i'm most curious to see with blake is that three-point shooting is that going to translate moving forward or is it just like has he just gotten on a hot streak to start the year and while on the subject of three-point shooting and the clippers they're doing all this with danilo gallinari shooting 23.8 percent from behind the arc and generally struggling from the field as well as austin rivers another guy who's averaging over 30 minutes a game and he is not even breaking 36 percent from the field so they aren't overly efficient, and they're still winning. Mm-hmm. When those guys bounce back a little bit and things even out, good lord. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm glad you brought the Clippers up because they definitely deserve a shout-out. You actually mentioned uh, a little while ago the Detroit Pistons, who I think deserve a shout-out. And, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Sixers pretty handily beat them the other night, but Tobias Harris is absolutely killing it to start the year and andre sixers comment just had to be (laughs) i mean it's their one win so far you got to give me something uh but andre drummond too like (laughs) yeah after the sixers game Embiid put him on blast for not playing defense and yes if you go on twitter and or if you i saw someone tweeted it i think it was james hollis um there was just a YouTube clip of all the times he didn't play defense against the Sixers, so that's still a concern uh, in terms of his effort. But he's hit 13 of 18 free throws so far this year. Like, it, I again, super small sample, but like he's a career 38.4% free throw shooter, and he's shooting 72% from the line this year. So if that's sustainable... I feel a lot better about my Detroit in the playoffs prediction because that's going to change a lot not only about his outlook moving forward but the team as a whole. Like you can't, you know, maybe if he starts getting like hack a Drummond at the end of games, maybe that gets into his head. Maybe he turns back into the free throw pumpkin that he was. But if you can't hack him anymore intentionally, he's going to be able to stay on the floor at the end of games, which isn't a luxury that Stan Van Gundy had earlier in his career so that's something i'm going to be watching closely moving forward because yeah this detroit team i you know they yes they lost to the sixers but like they've been playing relatively well other than that like you're i mean more tobias harris what what the hell did you see this coming what's more sustainable yeah <laughs> Andre Drummond hitting 72% from the line or Tobias Harris hitting 47% from behind the arc? Neither. Is that an option? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, but yeah, Tobias Harris, you got to give him credit. He's hot right now. Yeah. He's just, he's on a roll. It's going to quiet down a little bit, but 23 and a half a game. This is what we wanted to see out of him to some extent because i have found one number that is pretty troubling mm-hmm. when i looked at his at his line he's averaging just 1.8 free throw attempts per game mm. so everything is perimeter oriented mm-hmm. which has a low chance of sustaining because if you can't get to the line and and hit a high percentage and beef up that efficiency your jump shot is certainly not going to do it for you over 82 games mm-hmm. so 
he is going to quiet down a bit, but I'm I'm digging the fact that he's looking aggressive and that he's taking over this sort of alpha male scoring role that Reggie Jackson previously had mm-hmm. because Reggie Jackson is simply not that good to be quite honest with you he I mean Tobias always had more potential anyway and now he seems to be digging into it and what is he 25 I think I want to say 24 yeah, 25 yeah yeah he's 25. still really young he's really young and I mean he came in and sort of played a power forward role as well so if we assume that he came into the league and looked at himself as a big and had to adjust on the fly and become more of a perimeter player, then now might actually be the time where he, we can consider him fully developed or you know starting his prime. And who knows? Maybe he turns it around. I'm, I'm not entirely sure that he's going to be like an all-star type player. Mm-hmm. But if he could be like a 20-5 and five guy, yeah. that's fine. That's totally fine especially for Detroit for I mean good lord they need it yeah they really do I mean Jackson has been playing better than he did last year which doesn't say much right. but you know he's been fine uh, Avery Bradley is doing the same old Avery Bradley things he shoot you know almost 15 points a game one and a half threes uh, not rebounding six times a game though well, yeah because you have Andre Drummond there exactly yeah, you don't need to um, but, like, this Pistons team, Stanley Johnson will be interesting to see if he can get going offensively, only shooting 33.3% yeah. so far. Uh, and Stan Van Gundy actually recently talked up for Henry Ellenson, so he might start getting a little bit more burn. But I was waiting for Henry to get some minutes last year. Yeah, it seems like he, I did, he I might like, be on the precipice this time. Yeah, he was, like, what, 8th? Drafted 8th? Uh, or ninth, maybe? Wasn't he? Was it, oh, wait, is it that late? Wasn't he? Yeah, he, oh, you're he right, 18. 18th. Oh, I, in my head, I had him much higher, apparently. No. Okay. Stanley well. Johnson was 8th. Oh, yeah, there we go. But still, like he was he was pretty highly regarded mm-hmm. coming out of Marquette, so I was kind of curious as to why he didn't get any more minutes. But, yeah. So, should we have you on Suicide Watch if Stanley Johnson becomes a bust? Why? Because you mentioned him a lot. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I still have faith in him, but I have faith in a lot of forwards who can't shoot, apparently. It's just, I guess that's my the market that I've quartered. Justice oh, Winslow, so that's... Brandon Ingram. Markel Fultz. Oh! Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> Sarah, any other surprises stand out to you? Positive surprises? Uh, well, just going back to... The Grizzlies, I didn't mention, they are currently number one at, in free throw attempts. Damn. So that's just something to keep an eye on. It's really <laughs> interesting. Between uh, Mike and Mark, they're averaging 16 a game. Wow. So, yeah. And they are number one also in opponents' points in the paint, which I expect them to stay around that probably. Yeah. But we'll see uh, if they're able to maintain the free throw attempts. That's a good... Wow. God. Grizzlies, always. They're like the poor man's Spurs. They're just... They really are similar, honestly. <laughs> they do. They get a lot out of these guys that other teams maybe wouldn't take a chance on. Yeah. Uh, but So before we move on to the, the flip side of positive surprises, I do want to shout out the Boston Celtics for bouncing back from the Gordon Hayward injury. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both playing out of their minds, and they both look like legitimate building blocks moving forward. It pains me to say that, 
because I want nothing more for the Celtics than to just totally collapse, but it's looking like that isn't going to happen. Uh, and cur- <laughs> kudos to Kyrie for not blowing his knee out on the Milwaukee Bucks court that he thought was from the 70s yesterday. <laughs> Good job, Kyrie. Way to go. Can we talk about Kyrie for a quick second here? It's been five <laughs> As games. As a positive or so... negative surprise? Yeah, probably <laughs> negative at this point. There we go. So let's transition to yeah. that. But again, I mean, it's five games. Right. So, yeah. you know, hashtag Celtics Twitter. Ease off. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, I mean, when you give up the amounts that you gave up for for him, like that was a huge package, mm-hmm. definitely. And you were you were hoping for him to turn into like a legitimate superstar, like a tier one level player. So far, he's looked like the same old Kyrie, but with more steals. Yeah, like ish, and even a little bit less scoring wise. Right, and very I middling mean, efficiency. Yeah, like it's just it. I had I was skeptical when the trade was made because I I don't think Kyrie had that you know the higher tier in him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he is a tier 1 superstar. I don't think he'll ever be one. And clearly Boston thought other, otherwise. Mm-hmm. And right now it seems like he's just like the same guy as before, which isn't utterly encouraging. Yeah, I mean, he did play really well in the win against the Bucks Thursday, probably his best game in a Celtics uniform. So as he gets more comfortable, you know, I, yeah. I'm sure it's like it's probably really hard for all of those guys because I'm sure they spent an entire training camp in preseason like developing this offensive system with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, and now Gordon Hayward's right. gone, and they have to adjust on the fly. And like, you know, I doubt Jason Tatum saw a huge amount of minutes with that first unit. Um, so like, they're all still getting used to each other, but. Yeah, I mean, the early returns have not been what you would hope for if you were a Celtics fan. I mean, I still have faith that he's going to... I, I'm I'm with you, Mort. I don't think he's the, the, as you said, the tier one superstar. Like, he's not LeBron, Steph, KD, Giannis. He's not on that right, level. Right. Kawhi. Sorry, Sarah. A damn good player, though. I mean, let's. I'm not trying to knock Kyrie. Right. I mean, he's he's talented as hell. Yeah, but. he's like. Yeah. I'd put him on the same level as like a Damian Lillard. I don't right. think he's <laughs> the sex same name. I was sitting. Yeah. With. Like yeah. I don't think I would put John Wall above him, but like I mean, Dame's oh, yeah. a really good player. That's not like this. That's not an insult to those guys. It's just like Dame, like Kyrie, is mostly offense. Like you're not getting a huge amount out on defense and if we start to see that i mean he did have i mean he had a steal in every one of his games so far he's averaging two two 2.2 a game he did get a block against milwaukee too if we start to see more of that moving forward you know that then it becomes interesting um what what i think is an interesting debate and we shouldn't have that now we should table that for a later episode mm-hmm. is we should try to pinpoint exactly what would be the the necessary output for him not not just statistically but also playing wise uh-huh. for for that deal to be justified oh god i, I think that could be fun I, like a thought a fun thought experiment i don't want to play that game because then we're gonna have to do it with markel faults too <laughs> oh right yeah yeah, yeah. no it, that would be yeah. we could definitely do that at some point um 
right, Sarah, what uh, early season disappointments have stood out to you? Well, it's one that you had on the outline, but it's not... It's a disappointment, but it's not a surprise to me. It would be okay. the Wolves and the Wolves' defense specifically. Uh, yeah. I honestly didn't expect much more than this, at least not yet. Um, just last year, the the lack of improvement that we saw did not have me super op- optimistic about this year. Obviously, we're all thinking logically, okay, you know, it's year two of Tibbs, you're, you're adding Taj and Jimmy Butler. Hopefully they can teach these young guys about how to defend, and it's still really early, so that may happen, but I just really, really not that optimistic at the moment. If if it's going to happen this year, it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. So I know you said you didn't have super high hopes. Did you think it would be this bad? Like, they are... Not only are they dead last in the league in defensive efficiency, <laughs> but they're, they're allowing 114 points per 100 possessions. Mm-hmm. Indiana is the next closest team at 110.3, so they're nearly four points per 100 possessions worse than the second-worst team in the NBA. Like They are truly egregiously bad right now at defense. Mm-hmm. And they're giving up 26 three-point attempts uh, for f- opponents making 40%, almost 41% of those per game. <laughs> oh so. Yeah, they're just bad all around, like you said. I don't know if I thought it would be this bad, but, I mean, two of your your key guys, you got Cat and Wiggins, who just really are are not there defensively yet. They're not even close. Mm -hmm. And you've had Jimmy Butler out for two games. So, yeah, it makes sense, (laughs) really, when you think about it. Um, It's pretty sad to be dead last. You would hope that there were some teams that could be a little further down behind them, but... Uh, they're going to have to really focus on it. And hopefully that this is a wake-up call of, look, we can't just care about scoring. And and I told you guys when uh, the Wolves were here for opening night in San Antonio, I thought that Towns was engaged. He wasn't particularly good, but he was he cared. Mm-hmm. So, mm. you know, as long as they keep along those lines, there should be improvement. Fingers crossed. Yeah. And it should be noted that in the games, the two games that Butler has been out, they lost by 23 in the first one and 21 in the second one. Yeah. So, yeah, that goes to show the level of importance tips sort of incorporated into the schemes uh, in training camp, I think, with Butler. Mm-hmm. Like, now you probably are trying to substitute what he does with Wiggins, who I could imagine doesn't have a clue. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. So... Yeah, they need him back immediately. And, like, Butler himself has not had a good start to the season. Right. But I I figured out why because I went back to look at a lot of tape. And he has these different modes. And one of them is, you know, the playmaking part where he is really trying to integrate himself in terms of passing the ball and making sure everybody touches it. And then he has the FU I'm taking over mode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And... He's just he's not reached that second stage at any point. He's trying to feel himself out a lot and he's he's trying to be like a piece of the puzzle instead of being like the main piece of it. Mm-hmm. And so he needs to readjust himself when he comes back. Like they are looking at him to be the leader and he's trying like to defer a little bit, like, Oh, I have talent right now. I don't remember what that's like. Right. So here you go. Right. I mean, 
Shoot. Wow. Carl Anthony Towns. I have a big who can score 25 points a game. This is weird. Oh, I have a wing player who can score 25 points a game. This is this is really weird. Uh, I have a point guard who can shoot jump shots. Not, not Derek Rose. Um, <laughs> I mean... I get it. I get that there's an adjustment period for him too. But we co- when he comes back, he has to take a mindset with him that is just take no prisoners. Yeah. So I want to ask about Towns in particular more because I've seen a lot of Twitter panic about him. Uh, yes. Is it too early to be concerned about his defense or is there actual reason to wonder, you know, again, he's super young. It takes Biggs a long time often to really start to figure out NBA defense. So I'm not saying he's right. like never going to get it, but like is it is there reason to worry about him this season just being totally lost on defense? Normally I would say no because of the age and I'm still inclined to say that, but here's the thing. I I think he looks regressed mm. as a defender. I actually think he looked a little bit better last year. Mm-hmm. I don't I haven't looked at the advanced numbers because of the two blowouts. I think that skews everything off a little bit, mm-hmm. but he's looked horrid defensively this year. Like he is a, I mean, a fish out of water and deer in the headlights and whatever you want to throw at it. It's just, he looks lost. Yeah. And w- whether that's because of all the notes that's probably coming to him from Tibbs and Jimmy and, and Taj, I'm not sure. I do think that he'll, eventually get there his mechanics are you know in terms of reading rotations and whatnot i mean he, it's just he's just too smart of a basketball player mm-hmm. is what i'm trying to say and look he's already mastered scoring inside outside at the free throw line he's mastered rebounding he is a, a terrific dribbler for a guy his size so like let's give him a little space yeah I mean that's that's a luxury you have when you can when you can offer something in that many different areas. Whereas Wiggins, who couldn't rebound, who couldn't pass, who could primarily just attack the basket, that's why I'm harder on Wiggins than I am Towns. Mm-hmm. By the way, yeah. Well, that, no, that makes total uh, sense. Yeah. So, I'm concerned if he's regressed. That's that's my concern. I'm not concerned if he just is a bad defender mm-hmm. because I'll live with that because of his age. But if it goes backwards, right. then fuck yeah, right. I'm, I'm concerned. Right. Yeah. It's like it's hard not to get a little bit of Andre Drummond vibes right now. But again, yeah. super well, early. Yeah, ninety percent of the line. Right, right. Though. No, right, so, right, right. I'm just saying yeah. defensively. Right. Offensively, it's not even. I mean, yeah. you can't even compare the two. Um, but could you imagine George Hill instead of Jeff Teague? Yeah, I know. I we hated that Jeff Teague fit from the start. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing has changed my mind in that regard. Oh. I mean, hell, even Ricky Rubio instead of Jeff Teague. Like, I know the shooting concerns, but... Yeah. Like, Ricky's playing really well in Utah right now. We should have shouted him out as an early season good surprise, but mm. frankly, I'm not surprised that he's playing well. I thought he was going to have a great year, and so far he is. Well, we thought that Teague would produce more offensively. That yeah. was the key. Like, right, right now, he's he looks timid himself. Like, he's only taking two threes a game in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, he's taking... Oh my god, he's taking 9.4 shots overall. Yeah. So, I mean, he needs to raise that up at least five shots. Yeah. I mean, in no world should Jamal Crawford be averaging more shot attempts than Jeff Teague on this team. Oh, good lord, he is. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's, you know, typical tips, of course. Like, I I had a feeling Jamal Crawford was going to be taking a bunch of shots on this team, but... 
uh, yeah, Jeff Teague. I, there's just there's something is like a little off with Minnesota, and like they have a lot of new pieces. Jimmy Butler's been out for two games. I don't think, you know, I, I'm still feeling comfortable projecting them to make the playoffs. They that win against OKC the other night was extremely impressive. But man, without Butler, like to get clobbered by Indiana and Detroit, like at what I mean, these yeah. weren't close games. Like they they had two good wins against Utah and OKC with Butler, but then without him, they just got spanked twice. And you know, I hope Jimmy comes back soon. That's all I'm gonna say there. Oh yeah. Uh, where I want to ask you about Brandon Ingram, another forward who people are really down on and who. You know, the shooting stroke just has not translated yet from college. Where do you stand on him? Because I'm seeing some Lakers fans in my timeline, you know, already, especially with D'Angelo Russell breaking out in Brooklyn, I'm seeing a lot of people saying, damn, I wish we traded Brandon Ingram in that package to Brooklyn instead of D'Angelo Russell. Do you think, is it is it time to jump ship on the Brandon Ingram can still be an all-star train? Well, it seems like Lakers fans jump ship in terms of their opinion of him <laughs> whenever he has a good or bad game. Because when he had 19 and 10, right. I mean, he was the aw- most awesome thing since sliced bread. <laughs> then he had 7 and 2, and he was like, oh, we should just you know cut his ass and <laughs> him to the D-League. Then he had 25 against Phoenix in the win, and they were like, oh, rejoice, he's going to be Kevin Durant. So, <laughs> right. I mean... Look, he's young. He's gonna be inconsistent, but let's just let's not lose sight of the fact that he's averaging sixteen and five, mm-hmm. and plus three assists right now. So the raw stats are coming along somewhat nicely. His shooting percentages still needs to increase, but he's getting to the line now, yeah. and he's hitting free throws. So yeah, I mean, is he a complete player? No, not at all. He needs to tighten up his handle. He needs to, you know, probably learn to coexist with other players in schemes because sometimes he goes off on these solo adventures mm-hmm. that doesn't really work out for him <laughs> but he's 20 right 20 yeah just turned 20 even yeah uh i yeah i probably would have sent him to brooklyn instead of d'angelo but that's because i'm higher on d'angelo mm-hmm. that does not mean that i'm necessarily down on Ingram. right i don't think he's going to be the guy that we all thought he was going to be when he was drafted, mm-hmm. but he could still be pretty damn good. Well, I think even when he got drafted, we poured cold water pretty quickly on the Kevin Durant comparisons, right? Like, we right. we were not thinking he had that type of upside. I still think he's going to be a good two-way player. Like, as you said, he's 20 yeah. years old. I mean, they're still listing him as 190 pounds. Like, he just doesn't have the frame yet to compete man my arm weighs (laughs) yeah right like he's going against put him against lebron james lebron james has 60 or 70 pounds on him like it's just it he's a boy against men still so as he gets older as he fills out i think he'll be better like but you know it took like Giannis was 196 pounds when he came to the league now he's 230 and he looks like a greek god like it will happen for brandon ingram he's got Mm -hmm. the frame to fill out he just like they didn't want him to add 20 pounds of muscle right away, which is smart. You don't want to risk that type of like sudden development to your body. It's going to take time, but I don't think... Yeah, natural natural uh, you know, progression with, with weight right. is what you're... Yeah, suge- yeah right, right, okay. right, right. Yeah, so I'm... I mean, it makes me... 
like that thing makes me happier than Lakers fans being in a panic over him because they think it's hilarious. But I don't. I'm still holding firm on Brandon Ingram Island if that's a thing. The NBA podcast, we love everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so so just one note one final note on Ingram mm-hmm. in regards to the whole Kevin Durant thing because I, I think it was blown out of proportion I think what people also meant to say at least when I, I I made a point on a Danish podcast back when he was drafted and where, where I compared him to Durant but that was not in terms of statistical production or importance to team that was like his physical build mm-hmm. the way that he potentially could be able to use his length yep. to shoot over pretty tall players like he will have some luxuries that are similar to that of kevin durant mm-hmm. that's kind of where people are coming from primarily i think uh, you know and then some people are going to read it as oh are you going to say that he's going to average 32 right no yeah. no that's that's not what we're saying I mean, it's it's a question of look at body profiles and see the benefits that durant has because of his body and then apply that logic to to ingram yeah. because if you have the same body you have the same advantages especially if when you have similar athletic ability, which, you know, to his credit, he does have. Right, totally. Um, I want to give a quick reverse shout-out to the Sixers' late-game execution, which has been predictably awful. They're a young team relying on young players. They're going to make dickhead mistakes late. They completely melted down against the Rockets the other night, which was hard to watch, but frankly, you saw it coming from a mile away, like... On that final inbounds play, Alex was home, and I said it's going to be a pick-and-roll with Harden and Eric Gordon, and Eric Gordon's going to hit a game-winning three, and lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Uh, these are the things that young teams, like the Sixers are not the first young team to go through these growing pains. It happens. Um, the fact they're competing with a Houston team that's expected to be one of the top contenders in the West is a good sign. Uh, it's just, you know, these are the types of things... This is part of the process, as it were. It's just a very painful part, because now now there are actual expectations on this team, so having them blow winnable games like this. I mean, you could argue you know, they were right in there with the Washington Wizards in the season opener, too, and they kind of fell apart at the end there. So uh, I'm not panicked yet, but I'm expecting at least like five more kick-in-the-nuts losses like that at some point this year. Uh Sarah, I want to ask you about the Denver Nuggets because all of us, especially after the Paul Millsap acquisition, were pretty high on them. I think all three of us had them comfortably in the playoffs. They are 1-3. Their only win is against the Sacramento Kings. Two of their losses, a road loss to Utah in season opener. You can explain that one away. Five-point loss at home to Washington. Again, Washington's a good team. They got blown out by 17 at Charlotte on Wednesday. What's up with Denver? I went back to look. I had them fifth in the West. I was very high on them. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think some of it is just, you know, hiccups that can be expected with uh, integrating Millsap. And they, they went through this thing the first few games. Was like, Jokic wasn't shooting the ball. It was very strange. I don't know what happened there. Um... Zach Lowe just wrote his 10 things I like and don't like uh, that came out this morning. He mentioned that they're, like, I think 24th in pace after being 7th last Mm. year. So that's strange. Um, Also, the fact that, you know, Millsap sometimes plays inside a little bit more than 
than they're used to. So those those uh, cutting lanes that that they use to their advantage so well last year haven't always been as open. That's just something that they'll have to work out. I mean, they can get Millsap popping out more to the baseline where he's a great shooter from like the mid-range baseline shot. Just have him out there and then, you know, run your action with Jokic on the opposite elbow. I mean, there's there's opportunities. I just think they're still working on it. Like we said, it's really early and hopefully that's it. They they got to stop coughing up the ball and get good looks. Yeah. I mean, luckily for them, their next three games at Atlanta, at Brooklyn, at the Knicks, and D'Angelo Russell is set to miss Friday's night. Probably or he's doubtful for Friday night's game. you got to wonder if he's going to be back for Sunday. So they have a chance for three relatively easy wins, or what at least on the calendar look like relatively easy wins. And then, you know, they've got a four... No. Oh, God, they have a six-game home stretch right after that. So, like... They could be four and three going into that. There's still plenty of time, um, but at this point, it's like with every bad loss they suffer, it's more like just trade for Eric Bledsoe. Like stop delaying the inevitable. <laughs> just do it. And Phoenix, you're not going to get better than Moutier and Farid. Just deal with it. You pissed away your leverage. <laughs> like deal with it. I mean, if you didn't want to. You know, if you wanted to actually get more for Eric Bledsoe, you should have traded him over the summer, or you should have not not suspended him from the team effectively after he tweeted that he didn't want to be here. Like, it, it's gone. He has let they have less leverage than the Knicks did in the Carmelo Anthony talks, and Carmelo Anthony had a no trade clause. Like that's how screwed Phoenix is right now. So he was at the hair salon, <laughs> right? Well, actually, Bleacher Report published a very in-depth investigative feature in which one of our writers called like a bunch of phoenix hair salons <laughs> to see if he oh, was God. actually there wow. they they actually <laughs> spoke with his personal barber and his personal barber was like man why you gotta get my name into this <laughs> like he That's was hard-hitting journalism i know it really was <laughs> i'm expecting the pulitzer <laughs> at our office next week so regarding denver yeah i have a much easier solution Okay, and you know, not that I'm against them trading for Eric Bledsoe, I think they should do it. Uh-huh. But like, get Gary Harris more shots yeah. than you know Jamal Murray, who's shooting 29 percent from the field right now. Yeah, could that be an idea? Yeah, Gary Harris is taking 10 shots a game. Jamal Murray is taking 12, and they're you know he's playing seven minutes less a game. Maybe, <laughs> just maybe, you should use your second best player a little bit more. Right, that would make sense. Yeah, that's just. Me being trying to be logical because Harris is, after all, shooting forty eight percent from downtown. Right, and you can see this is weird. Like Gary Harris has taken two three throws in one hundred and thirty minutes. God. So, I mean, I, I I think it's a question of him also having to like you have to set him up in a way that he can get to the rim. Mm-hmm. Like he's athletic. Yeah. He's strong. Like he's built as a tank. Why not utilize it? Just unleash Gary Harris and let him average those 17, 18 points a game, which we all know that he can. Right. I'm... Efficiently, efficiently, efficiently so. God damn, that was hard. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. that's how Denver used him last year when he came back. It was like right around the same time Jokic moved back in the starting lineup. Gary Harris came back. They used him as a cutter yeah. and he just like 
feasted because Jokic was just hitting him with open pass after open pass, and that like he's just slicing the basket, scoring easy buckets. It feels like, much like with OKC and even with Minnesota, it feels like they just have so many new pieces in the starting lineup. It's just gonna take some time for them to get comfortable with one another. So like I'm not super panicking about any of these teams yet. I still think no. all three make the playoffs, and I, you know I don't think it's. I don't think any of them are headed to like a 25 win season. Um, it's just you know remember hell like remember the 2010 11 Miami Heat they started what nine and eight before they started to figure it out like it takes time for teams with a bunch of new pieces to get chemistry especially with a shortened preseason shortened training camp like they just haven't had the time to develop as as we expect them to look come March or April. Yeah, I'm panicking if Jamal Murray is shooting 10% from downtown in January, though. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is reasonable. Uh, and let, look, we just talked about them now. Do you guys want to bet that Jamal Murray tonight is going to go out and go like 6 of 8 I, from range? I hope so, man. Yeah. I, yeah. I, <laughs> as someone who touted him as a fantasy sleeper, I'm looking like a real asshole so far. So, he... <laughs> He really, please, Jamal, make make my Twitter mentions more salvageable. Um, I mean, to be fair, Adam Maris told us that you know their offense probably wasn't going to be quite as good this true. year, and their defense was still not going to be very good. Yeah, but That's, yeah. we're stubborn yeah. and the heart wants what the heart wants. Right. <laughs> like we probably should have listened, but oh well. <laughs> yes, we should have listened to the Denver expert who's around the team right. all the time. Yeah, in retrospect, we had so many guests yeah, in our defense. <laughs> I can't. Right. Uh, so so many wonderful analysis, and I don't remember them all. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Sarah, any other uh, negative surprises and/or disappointments that have stood out in the first week and a half to you? You know, I just wanted to jump in on the Ingram thing a little bit. Oh, yeah. You guys basically both covered it, but, you know, okay, like you said, the percentages aren't where you want him to be. I think he's only finishing 56% of his uh, shots in the restricted area. That's not great. Um, But I think he has displayed some some good things going to the rim this year, some some body control, the ability to finish uh, through some contact. He's kind of (laughs) got... People aren't going to like this at all to go from the Kevin Durant uh, body comparisons to what I'm about to throw out there. But he's kind of got this Kyle Anderson thing going on where he can finish at kind of a slow, herky-jerky thing where he just uses his length to overwhelm people. Mm. I think he's just figuring out who he is. And hopefully, you know, he's got some player development people helping him to figure that out. But there are some good signs there. You know, he... He's a guy, he's not super explosive, but he's learning how he can use his length to still have an advantage to get around people. You know, he's just feeling it out. And so there are good signs there. And I just think he's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he's not going to be Kevin Durant fine, but... You know, he's going to be Kyle Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Lakers fans are just going to burn my mentions to the ground. I, I need you to write an article saying how Brandon Ingram is the next Kyle Anderson. <laughs> and then the headline should just be presented proudly. Like, that would help so much, though. That would really help yeah. him, I think. Let's let's bring it back down several yeah. notches. Right. Um, that is fair. And he's yeah. a guy who would benefit from some shot selection, too. Like He should really use some refinement in that area. 
Like, okay. Oh, yeah. You know, a shot with Anthony Davis right in my face. Not a good shot. <laughs> uh, a dribble handoff from Lopez where he can help me get to the top of the arc wide open. Good shot. You know, <laughs> that's that's all right. He just has to learn that. You make basketball sound so easy, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a simple game. Yeah. It's a simple game. Uh, more... un- un- unless you're Dwayne Casey. <laughs> Oh. And I'm go- I'm going somewhere with this. Okay, yeah. I was going to ask if you have any other disappointments. Oh, I do. So, fine. I have one. Yep. So, remember last season when we learned that Dwayne Casey kind of limited Jonas Valanciunas because he wanted him to dominate? Yep. And he wasn't seeing the court before he started dominating? Yep. Yep. Okay, so Valanciunas is playing 23 minutes a, a night right now. 23 minutes... In those 23 minutes, he's averaging 14 points, 9.5 boards, and he's shooting 52% from the field and getting to the line four times, where he's knocking down 75%. How is that not dominating? He's also only turning it over, you know, zero, yeah, a half time per game, 0.5. Mm-hmm. Like, what more does Dwayne Casey need? That's, that's ridiculous. Now I'm at the point where that's, that's just bullshit if you use that same excuse. And I even heard the Raptors commentators. They went in on it as well. Like, no, but he has to show immediately when he's in the game that he has to be the primary factor, blah, 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 blah. Man, shut up. (laughs) Shut up. You're killing this guy's trait value, which is just hurting yourself in the end. I mean, he is so much better than what the Raptors themselves are giving him credit for. I mean... You know, per 36 minutes, he's at 22 points, 15 boards. Mm -hmm. Is that not dominating? Well, in Casey's defense, he's only played two games because he has a sprained ankle right now. So he's missed a couple. Right, but but still, I mean, he... Yeah, I mean, he's... It's, yeah. Actually, on the Raptors' note, Kyle Lowry, rough start to the season. 37.5% shooting over his first four games. So, yeah. like, to your point, if Kyle Lowry is as washed as he's looked these first couple of games, they're going to need other sources of offense aside from just DeMar DeRozan. Like, Valanciunas could be that guy uh, once he's healthy. But in the meantime, Jakob Pertl is playing surprisingly well. Mm-hmm. And he's probably going to be, like, you know, he he's going to be the guy who's end up, who's going to end up sending Valanciunas somewhere else. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah. If they can find a taker for, I mean, who. There should be so many takers out there. You would think so. The Bulls? Man, I mean, Robin Lopez. We flirted <laughs> with that idea yeah. a couple episodes ago, didn't we? Like Robin Lopez for Jonas Valanciunas? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, why not? Right. I mean, if, if, if they use him like this, Raptors, of course, I mean, they are murdering his trade value anyway. Right. So, why not? That would be for them getting a, a good deal. Yeah. Uh, any any others more? I have one more. Oh, I actually I had one, but I didn't write it down because we were talking about it before we started recording. Mm-hmm. But I just don't remember. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is just to show that I'm not a complete homer who <laughs> is just in love with everyone. Uh, Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. is, yep. is struggling. Twenty five percent from the field. Just oh, twenty nine percent on two pointers. Um, he has offensively, he's not looked good. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, you know you, you're seeing 
defensively that he's stepping up at times. He is pulling out some plays where you can see the potential, but it's been a rough start for Donovan. So just wanted to give you the satisfaction <laughs> of that. It's not satisfaction. I want him to do well, too. But yeah, he, he has struggled. A lot of it was he was starting when Rodney Hood was out with a calf strain. Hood is now back, so... Donovan will move back into his second unit role where he should have a better yeah. chance to succeed early on. My last one is Nerland's Noel. Like, god damn. I defended this guy tooth and nail while he was in Philly. Uh, I mean, he's putting up decent numbers in limited minutes, but the re- <laughs> the Mavericks just don't want to use him. And I, I get that, like, Harrison Barnes works better at the four. Dirk is better suited to play the five these days, and you don't want to do Barnes, Dirk, and Noel because that's just not enough offense. Um, but I don't know. It's it doesn't bode well for you know Nerlens reportedly turned down a massive contract extension or a contract offer this summer. Took the qualifying offer instead. His early season output is not. Uh, <laughs> aligned with a 20 million dollar per year player so i hope for his sake that he gets it going but right now it looks like he made a pretty big mistake not taking that contract offer uh yo noel for valanciunas or a package center around noel for valanciunas i i yeah i feel like the mavs would have to include more because yeah right obviously yeah but like the Raptors would I want mean, some assurance that Noel was staying beyond this year. Valanciunas on oh. Carla. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Um, Sarah, let's wrap things up with our crush of, I guess, the last couple days. Who's caught your eye <laughs> since Tuesday? <laughs> I forgot we were going to throw the Bucks in there completely, and not really the oh, Bucks, yeah. just some of their yeah their, their offense, right? Yeah, but we can talk about that at a later date. Yeah. Um. Let me try to say his name. Semi Ojale? For the Celtics? Yep. yep. Yeah. And honestly, it was really just a glimpse of, you know, that we got to see him play the other night. Uh, last night, I guess it was. He only played 14 minutes. He was 0 for 2 from the field. I don't care. <laughs> uh, they threw him on Giannis for several possessions. And it was, like I said, brief, but it was an eye-opening little bit of brevity there. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he moved his feet really, really well. Didn't give up ground. Just It was impressive So defensively. And I think he's got more to show. I think he can be a, a solid shooter. But that all will come in time. I just... If, if you're able to keep Giannis out of the paint for even, like, three possessions, <laughs> uh, you deserve a shout-out. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, he's another one of those guys where it kills me to say... The Celtics have drafted well in recent years, but he he looks good. Uh, more, how about you? He's one of he, he's one of those guys that whenever I see him like play, I just I, I get this sensation of wanting to go to the gym to work out because, <laughs> good lord, I mean that has to be the most ripped rookie coming in yeah. ever. Yeah, that's a, that's a strong dude. My guy is not that strong, but he plays well, so that's something. <laughs> Laurie Markinen. Yep. I mean, I did not want to put a bull in there, but he just forced my hand. Yeah, he really did. 
15.8 points a game, 10 rebounds, which uh, I don't think is sustainable. He's hitting three triples a game, two NBA records, 10 threes in the first three games, 12 over the first four of his career, 12 of 30 from the season. I mean, he is he he won the Bulls the game against Atlanta yesterday. He hit the go-ahead three-pointer late in the fourth, I think with 48 seconds to go. Like, this dude just has some serious cojones, and he is 20 years old. Like, I followed him closely at Eurobasket. I was scouting him and Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. And he was the main guy for Finland. He really was. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, okay, he's probably going to have, like, a good rookie season. You know, he's going to be backing up one of the leading power forwards, and he's probably going to have, like, some decent percentages and, you know, maybe seven points, three rebounds a game. That would be fine as a building block. Well, shit, you can't remove this guy from the starting lineup now. Yeah. Like, Fred Hoiberg came out and said that he's running his offense through him. So, which isn't saying much because his offense sucks. Right? That's, <laughs> that's a different matter. I mean, <laughs> let's keep it positive. Uh, but marketing is beasting right now. Absolutely beasting. Um, that stroke. That is legit. Mm-hmm. I forget. I think it was on Bloggable. It was someone. Uh, they they shouted out Markinen, but they're like, "Be sure not to give Garpax any credit for this because yep. it's gonna piss yep. them off." And they had no idea what they were getting. That's right. Because uh, and this is quite amazing, really. They did not even interview Markinen beforehand, right? Which is uh, so bold. <laughs> and it also came out that they had like a really really small scouting yeah, staff yeah. despite being the financial champions of the NBA year in and year out right. so yeah I, w- I would second that article from Bloggable yeah. don't give the front office credit for this thing yeah. uh, this is all marketing right yeah uh, yeah I think it's how the Bulls are somehow third in attendance still this year which just doesn't make any <laughs> sense because like god damn it Bulls fans <laughs> I know I, I just don't know who would pay money to actually go watch this team, but kudos to those who are still. Drunk people is my only <laughs> guess. Or people who want to see the opposing team, but like, who wants to go see a Bulls-Hawks game this year? Yeah, right? <laughs> well, John Collins, marking it against Collins. Yeah, there you go. I like that one, though. The future that was of the NBA. Song, yeah. Uh, all right, my guy, Jinglin' Joe Ingles, uh, you know, I, they gave him a boatload of money this summer, uh, presumably to lure Gordon Hayward back. That that did not happen, but he's playing really well. Like if if we're talking about, you know, Kawhi, we cannot call Kawhi Leonard a three and D guy because he can do so much more than that. But if we're talking about like quintessential three and D guys, like it's Ingles and Robert Covington are like who? I mean, they've got to be at least up there in terms of like. Pure three and D, the best ones in the league. Because right now, through five games, three threes made, two steals. I mean, that's that's what he does. Like it's just fifteen threes made. Well, three, yeah, three a game. I should say. Sorry. Oh, and, okay. And two yeah, steals at fifty-four percent. Right. Yeah. Like that's what this dude does. You're not going to ask him mm-hmm. to score twenty-five points. He's not going to replace Gordon Hayward by any means. He's not that type of a playmaker. He did have six assists against the Nuggets in the season opener, but just in general, like a really good, solid player, you know, worth 
I forget, he got like, what, four years, 52 million, something like that. So 13 a year. Very reasonable rate. Like, I'd much rather be paying Joe Ingles that kind of money than Tim Hardaway Jr., who we should have mentioned in the disappointments. Uh, four years, 71 million. So And a descending contract. Oh, yeah, there you go. So Just note of that. Yeah, so shouts to the Jazz, shouts to Jingling Joe for a hell of a start to the year. Um, and thank you, Joe, for helping anchor one of my fantasy teams. You're, you're doing the Lord's work, my friend. I was actually, um, I, I was looking up, or I was on Twitter, and, you know, Joe had had a good game, and people were coming up like, he's 30? Yeah. Like, he's only been in the league for four years. Right, like, right, right. <laughs> they thought he was coming out of, of a college. Oh, yeah. Like, no, he's, he's 25. He's, yeah, no, he, he's, yeah. Yeah. I think he was 27 or something. He was, he's like a, an older guy. Right. And now he's finding his his footing in the league, much like a guy in his fourth season would, just much younger. Yep. So here's hoping that he lives through the the, the contract that he's on with the efficiency that he has right now. Yeah. I, that I think that alone is a win for the Jazz, as long as that last year doesn't become a problem. Right. Yeah. But I mean, hell, I, I'm very impressed. I mean, oh yeah, I had the Jazz yeah. as one of my, I think my eight seed. And they've had a kind of up and down start to the year, but Ingles will help a lot in that regard. So that's going to do it this week for the NBA podcast. Thank you all again for tuning in. Uh, reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find all of our handles in our Twitter bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic, and I was joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Have a good one, you two. You too, Brian. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now. Incova Insurance. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.